Welcome to Politics Done Right. With us today, again, is Dr. Andrew Smokler, PhD, a prize-winning author, former Democratic candidate for Congress in Virginia's Red uh, Shenandoah Valley, former talk British talk show host, summa cum laude graduate from Harvard University, PhD awarded with distinction in a program specifically created to accommodate his original theory explaining how civilization has developed and a frequent columnist in newspapers around the United States of America. Andy, welcome to Politics Done Right once again with our series, A Better Human Story. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing okay. You're doing okay. Usually I'll say you're doing great. Well, you look great. Anyhow, oh, okay. continuing with our discussion that we have consistently on uh, A Better Human Story. Last time, um, as we were ending, uh, we, we decided to start in, uh, well, we decided to follow up on a discussion, but I think what we want to touch on is something that you you brought forth a little bit earlier, and that is the battle between democracy and fascism. How how do you see that battle? Well, one thing I can say is that I see it as um, dealing with a problem that's been there since the beginning of civilization. the The way things inevitably arose. Tyre is that you get warlords, gangsters, tyrants rise to the top. And so the power system in, in civilized societies were all over the, the planet has been that the people on top have the power and they exploit the people below. The question for humankind has been since the beginning of civilization, how can we arrange so that the people in general actually control the power, make it into an instrument of achieving their purposes, rather than the people being used to serve the purposes of those on top who are wielding power. So fascism, whether it be uh, Hitler's or the, the, the the fascist regime in Japan and uh, that, that uh, slaughtered the Chinese uh, in the 30s, or whether it be uh, uh, Putin's Russia right now, and, and we could, you know, Mussolini. Uh, it, it, it's a society which is organized from the top down, which is the ancient problem of civilization. So I actually would say that I, I would want to define fascism primarily in terms of whether the people are controlling the power or being controlled by the power. Democracy, what our founders made a, I think, brilliant, if not perfect, attempt to achieve was to reverse the flow of power from the many to control the few. That's democracy. And in the, around the planet right now, and this is one of the great puzzles to me is, you know, I've looked a lot about how fascism has been rising in America for the last, well, I'd say 30 years. But I've been focused on that. But meanwhile, it's now become visible in, in recent years that this is kind of a global thing. Why is it that countries uh, as apparently disconnected as India, which now has this Hindu nationalist, uh, semi-fascist, yeah. 
uh, and Brazil on the other side of the world, which uh, at least until very recently had this. Well, oh. they corrected themselves with the election of Lula da Silva. Yeah, and he still, you know, he like Trump, he hasn't admitted defeat, which is another, you know, the the the, the democracy is founded on a a uh, a treaty formed by everybody. We agree that our struggle for power will be conducted according to certain rules. Like you end up at the core of those is an election. And so we agree, we will fight it out according to these rules. And when the people have chosen in the constitutionally prescribed way, not everybody does it, but you have to decide somehow, and that's how we do it. When the people have chosen, everybody says, okay, we'll have to go back and you know, we'll try again in four years or, or whatever the deal is. But we've had a couple of uh, crises in America, which have been extremely destructive. When a force said, no, we're not willing to, you know, grant you the power for the next four years. The South was not willing to accept that Abraham Lincoln had won the election according to the constitutional process. It had helped them that the Whig Party and the Democratic Party had been broken apart by slavery, but those were the rules. But they said, no, we will not accept that. They've been, anyway, now in, in America now, and Bolsonaro in Brazil, uh, and Cary Lake in Arizona, have this fascistic thing. We don't agree to play by the rules, not by in terms of elections, not in, you know, we'll have we'll try for a coup d'etat if we lose the election, or in some states, this fascistic power, uh, first in North Carolina and then Wisconsin, and then in Michigan, they lose an election and they scramble with their legislature to strip the powers away from the office that they lost. No agreement to play by the rules. And indeed, you look at Putin's Russia, you look at Hitler's Germany and all that. The rules are whatever the power wanted it to be at the let, time. Let, let's, let's stop there because, um, you know, you said something that, you know, that, that kept on inching on me with regards to um, when, when you spoke about, you know, starting from our founding and what makes fascist versus democracy, et cetera. Do you think that maybe uh, and and uh, uh, let me just posit this: that the hypocrisy of um, of a democracy may be responsible for the growth in fascism, not only here in America but around the world. As an example, um, when you when you state categorically about our founding on 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 democratic principles. But at the same time, I believe at the time of our foundings, only 5% or so of the people could actually vote because, again, uh, you had to be land owning, etc. Don't you think that was sort of perpetrating that um, that it, it was sort of a democracy, but a democracy of the powerful, which is probably just a step away from fascism? Well, the question is how to look at the how causality is working. Right. So that we get we know what stands out. What stands out about the Constitution is in the history of civilization going back, uh, let's say, 5000 years. It's an amazing step forward. Are we surprised that um, that these 
people like Jefferson and Madison uh, who, who envisioned what justice would be like. And by the way, they were pretty, let, let, let's stop. They were pretty young people. They weren't, they weren't matured like you are, who probably had, have a, a deeper on, you, I, I, here's what I, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go a little bit off subject here because I, I want your thoughts about this. You are, you're an elder in the political sphere. Uh, guys like Madison, I believe, were in their twenties or early thirties. But they were. But you know, Ben Franklin w w w was a, a, a older guy. A, 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 and, and let me let me finish the the point though. The problem isn't that the Constitution. The problem we face now isn't that the Constitution was flawed. The flaws were pretty much inevitable. These people were the products of the kind of history I'm talking about. You know, they came out of England, which was a, a monarchy with an aristocracy. You know, the, the habits, you know, you and I will be looked back upon as, you know, when we, when we fly around the country or something like that, people will say, didn't they know that there was a climate crisis? <laughs> you know, how, how, how did these... How did these people decide, <laughs> yeah, I can go visit Uncle uh, Schlemiel uh, by driving 500 miles? Didn't they think that they had some responsibility not to, you know? So that's a, that's a very good, that's a very good state, true statement. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so Jefferson was broken between the vision and the fact that he was an aristocrat in Virginia living off the labor of slaves. Right. So yeah, propertyed men. I mean, even the New Englanders, I suppose, were were into that. But that was a more democratic society up in Massachusetts than than there had ever been in in Virginia. So you're trying to build a new kind of society out on the on the the scaffolding that's been left by a process of social evolution that has created vast injustices between races, between classes, you know. But, you know, that all men are created equal came back in the mouth of Lincoln. The words did matter. Lincoln took, took those words from Jefferson, the slaveholder, and used them to emancipate the slaves. So the words mattered. And America has been working. Uh, one, of the, one of the things that's been going on is that America has been working toward fulfilling the ideals. I mean, it's an evolutionary process. Women get the vote in 1919 or whatever it was. I mean, of course they should have had the vote, but that's not how. Yeah, right. But not that's not how societies were. You know, I gather the rule of thumb, the origin of the word back in England in uh, the 17th century or the 16th century was that's the size, the thickness of a stick that a husband is entitled to beat his wife with. That's what I understand. I can't certify that, but I've heard it a couple of times. You'll get in trouble for that, but go ahead. <laughs> but anyway, what I'm saying is property people versus the poor people. Geez, we got thousands of years of exploitation along that line. Can't erase that line overnight. Men tyrannizing over women, infantilizing them. Uh, making them subject to only men can vote, you know, trace where that came from. It's a very old pattern of domination and exploitation of women by men. 
So it didn't happen. But the thing about this moment isn't those flaws. We've been trying, or part of the culture has been trying to realize that ideal. But we have never been threatened in terms of the basic democratic order as seriously in the last 226 years or whatever it is, like we are now. Something new has come up. And it's not because our democracy was flawed. It's because the whole social system of forces became such that the force of fascism grew in strength and the force that would recognize the threat and respond to it got more blind and more weak. And so the immune system of our, of our democracy was so weakened that this spirit of the gangster could gain ground at the expense of our democracy. Now, in, in, in the spirit of the gangster, in other words, uh, by those people who are just willing to take power at all costs, in other words, not through a democratic process, but just taken power um don't you uh, earlier you claim that it's not necessarily a flaw in democracy that is creating that and i would wonder if uh if, if we look a little bit deeper uh not necessarily the flaws of democracy but the failure in the implementation of democracy that opens the door for that uh that charlatan that uh, uh what th that charlatan to take uh to build a story that allows him to build a fascist state. In other words, Donald Trump used the same arguments that that um, Bernie Sanders used uh, to with with his people to to try to bring them in. Uh, this society has failed you. Try it my way. And, well, and you know, know the, 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 there's a a real systemic right kind of view of all this. And and at the end of the last session one of the things that we got into is the part of uh, this systemic problem that has to do with the state of mind of millions of Americans that I, I have admitted, you know, I've tried very hard to understand with limited success, that, you know, the, the democracy made it possible for things like Rush Limbaugh and Newt Gingrich and Fox News, which is very much in the news now, to rise up and poison the minds of tens of millions of people over the course of, well, let's just say uh, from the early 90s. What does poisoning of the mind mean? Uh, I, I, I think our audience need to under, understand that because one can give lies, one can give misinformation, or one can reinterpret reality for people. What, what, what is this poison we're talking about? Well, it's very complicated, but l let me put it this way. The people that I talked with on the radio in the Shenandoah Valley back in the 90s were able to speak sincerely and in a way which moved me about their values. I loved them for it. I loved the, the Christian values, which I could tell in some of the conversations, I could tell they actually did live 
according to some of the beautiful teachings of Jesus. And they had a patriotism and a reverence for the Constitution that you sort of associate with conservatism more than with, you know, we're, we're, on our side, we're a little less rah-rah, USA, we're number one. Yeah, but I, I heard a reverence for the Constitution, and, and they talked about character, which is, I... I shared that value. I think it is important what kind of character. And and conservatives have always been, traditionally anyway, more emphasizing of the the importance of good character than the people on the liberal side. But I appreciate it all. So poisoning the mind. It means moving, among other things, it means moving people to a place where they can look at somebody like Donald Trump who is the opposite of all those things. He's the opposite. I mean, even explicitly, he, you know, Jesus says, turn the other cheek. Donald Trump has explicitly said, to hell with that. I say, hit him back 10 times over. The opposite. He, that they revere the Constitution and they support the guy who's been the biggest threat to the American Constitution in our entire history. They care about good character. And they support a guy. I've never seen so so anybody so deeply flawed in so many ways, and so blatantly. Like it's not hidden, like it was with Richard Nixon. It's right out there. And so how is it? So you could you ask, what do I mean by poison mind? And I say, what is it that enables people like this? who were, say, back when the first Bush was president, if you'd ask, if you'd shown them a Donald Trump figure in a movie or in real life, I really don't believe they would have had a different reaction from mine with what, what a terrible human being and left it at that. But over the course of the poisoning of their minds from Limbaugh and his ditto heads through uh, Fox News and we, we know what they've been doing, they eventually got to the place in 2015, after what would that be, 23 years of poisoning, with Karl Rove pitching in while Bush was president. They somehow or other got to the place where they could look at Donald Trump, who was just so obviously the very opposite of anybody you should entrust with power. I mean, he's a bully, he's, he's demeaning, he's completely self-serving, and it's all right out there. It's exactly what you don't want, wielding the power of the presidency. But after apparently 23 years, those people I was talking with uh, on the radio, who are beautiful in what they expressed, decided that Russia, that Donald Trump was just exactly who they wanted in the, in, in the White House. And even now, after watching him try to overthrow the Constitution in a violent coup d'etat and wielding something which is the most obvious lie in the history of the world because of all the investigations and recounts and judicial findings, et cetera, they continue to believe that what the hell happened to them? Well, something did, and I 
don't know how it worked, but I think I saw Limbaugh doing it. I think I saw Gingrich doing it. I've, we've all seen Fox News doing it, and Karl Rove was doing it, and now Donald Trump has, has taken them even deeper into the deep end. Now, these are the same people who, uh, the same people you're talking about is, are the people that always talk about personal responsibility. They used to. I don't know. Do they still? They still talk about personal responsibility. That's why they want to get rid. They, they, that's why they think that uh, that uh, entitlement programs are wrong because personal responsibility means you don't need entitlements. You'll take care of I yourself. Suppose. But so, you know. So, but, 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 these are the people who believe in personal responsibility. So, shouldn't they be held personal, personally accountable for going against what they claimed in the past to support somebody as flawed? doing flawed things and actually harming many of the people they claim to love shouldn't they have to take personal responsibility for that as opposed to just saying fox look i agree with you and i'm just playing devil's advocate here i agree with you that fox news and all these guys found some part of these people's psyche that is able to have them vote against their own interests support a person like Donald Trump, et cetera, et cetera. What within their psyche allows that? I think I have, I know the answer, but I'd wonder if, um, it, it, you know, your thoughts on that. Well, let me, let me address the, the question you just posed about the personal responsibility. We need to keep our eye on the prize. What's going on here is a battle between democracy and fascism. And fascism has fortified itself over the last 30 years, uh, with starting with Limbaugh, uh, as I see it, um, by moving people's minds in that direction. You, you know, I've got lots of thoughts about what's going on, but you know, like I say, there's it's just sort of mind, blows my mind that that it could happen in a free society, um, and I've thought about it for years. But we, the question that needs to be asked is, what can we do so that X years down the, the line, whatever is a realistic uh, 10 years, 20 years? 25 years. <laughs> the, the people who, who, who have been captured in this way so that they could believe the unbelievable and support the unsupportable that we do not have so large a contingent in our population that's of that sort. What can we do that will bring back, I mean, I, my wife and I know a couple of Republicans here. We're gonna have them over for dinner and their spouses, lovely people. And, and, and we've developed a very nice relationship. We're not gonna talk about politics on this occasion, but the question is, if you've got lots of good people, in some sense of the word good, I think you took issue with me uh, about using that word. Doesn't it, Let me just say, if you interact with them in areas that don't touch upon the politics, there's a beauty that you experience. The, 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 the guy I'm inviting to dinner here, we, we spar about things online with my op-eds. He is such a gentleman. He is so civil. He's even generous to me. And he's starting to move, I think. But anyway, he's, uh, 
he's an exceptionally fine person in terms of what I encounter there, except for the way he sees things. And what is and 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 here's here's how I want to close this segment. How does he see things? And we are going to explore that right after this. Well, he either doesn't see what's happening. He's a guy from the, the, the Naval Academy and a long, distinguished career in the Navy. I think he thinks it's still, he may still think this is the uh, party that he grew to love growing up in the post-war era from Eisenhower onward, you know. He may still, he may not have noticed that a fundamental transformation has occurred in his party. It is, it is something that would have been repugnant to every American conservative leader from George Washington to Dwight Eisenhower and the first Bush. They would have said, this is ugly. Maybe he hasn't noticed that. Or maybe, and I've sort of asked him this question publicly, maybe he thinks that if he stays in the party, but then he tells me he's supporting people like, uh, uh, he doesn't like DeSantis, he doesn't want Trump, but he he would be happy with with uh, Nikki Haley and, and and he'd be happy with- um, Ron DeSantis. Uh, with, with um, uh, the black senator from Scott, Scott, yeah. South Carolina. Um, as far as I'm concerned, if you see what's happening, Rick Scott is that his first name? Rick Scott. No, no, Rick. Yeah. That's Rick Scott is the, the senator from Florida, but it is Scott. I, I can't remember okay. his first. Tim yeah. Scott, maybe. Tim, Tim Scott. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, he seems like a decent guy, but he violated his oath of office. Yes. He's a senator who voted to acquit. Donald Trump, who was impeachable in more ways than we previously could have imagined one person could ever make himself uh, appropriate for impeachment. So he was willing to serve the fascistic force in violation of his oath of office. Mr. Andy or Dr. Andy Schmuckler, uh, we are going to continue. And the next segment, we're going to explore a bit more about your dinner date. Thank you so kindly. Sounds like fun. On Politics Done Right. We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to, trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.